World War II remaining, but we want to recognize this Memorial Day weekend. And if you have served or are currently serving in the armed forces, we'd like to recognize you this morning. If you would just stand, we want to show our appreciation to you for uh, standing and fighting for our country. Thank you very much. Sincerely, I respect my grandfather so much for what they've done, and, and uh, we respect you and thank you for what you've done. Over spring break, I had the opportunity to, uh, to go to a movie with my kids. When you have four kids, you may know what I mean. You don't go to the movies a lot. Uh, you end up having to uh, give an arm and a leg and a kidney just to, uh, to get in and buy popcorn and stuff like that. But we had a great time, and, and I love popcorn. I, and fortunately, I, I probably have a small addiction. Uh, I probably need to seek some help. But, of course, you go and you get the free refills. And uh, so I usually put them out of business. They're usually asking me to leave after, you know, about the 10th refill. I, I think they're starting to say, now, you need to leave, sir. You cannot have any more popcorn. Now, I don't, I don't eat that much, but I certainly have a good time. And I don't know if you start to hear this song playing in the background, but we got to see that Lego movie. And there's this song that I don't know if you remember. Can you hear it? Everything is awesome. So I'm going to get this stuck in your head like it's been stuck in my head since I, since I went and watched this movie. We went and saw the Lego movie, of course. And this is the song that anywhere you go, even just begin to say everything is awesome. And literally people are saying it over and over and over again. And this song has been stuck in my head now for quite a while. And as I was thinking about that, it reminded me of a book by Larry Osborne. Now, Larry Osborne's a pastor down in the San Diego area, and a few years ago, he wrote a book called Sticky, Sticky Church. And basically, within it, he started talking about the relationships that we have and things that make us strong within church, within the body of Christ. And in it, what made me think about this book is that he talked about our life. And he said our life are like Legos. He talked about the fact that each of us has connectors in our life for relationships, and as we have relationships in our life with uh, maybe our, our spouse, uh, maybe our, our parents, uh, maybe our kids, we, we, we begin to fill these connectors in our life. Maybe we've got some, some co-workers, and maybe we've got some room for some friends. And, and we each have a certain amount of connectors that we are uh, relationally able to fill. And so as I thought about that, uh, I began to, to realize as I meet with people, I've been in the ministry about 10 years, uh, gave my life to Christ at about age 23 and just started growing and really felt the Lord calling me to ministry at about the age 30. And so for the last 10 years, yes, I'm 40 now, yes, for the last 10 years, I've, uh, I've been meeting with people and talking with them about their life. I've talked to their, uh, their life, you know, their social life. I talked to them about their spiritual life. I talked to them about their family life. And what I'm finding is that over the last 10 years, I've found that there's a real need for great, uh, for great Christian friendships. There just really is. As I talk with people, it becomes evident that almost there seems to be a void of these great Christian friendships in the life of the people. They're connectors. Many of them, they, they have this, but they don't have great Christian friendships. And they don't have this really important aspect that I believe is so vital in, in our Christian walk. And this week, as I, was, as I was researching this void, trying to kind of do a little research, I came across a blog on Christian friendships. And it's interesting, there was a comment on one of those blogs. 
And it was by a, a, a gal, and she was on there reaching out to other women. And this is what she said. She was asking for advice. And, and one of the comment lines on this blog was this, and I read it, and it was kind of long, and I'm going to share little pieces of it with you today. But she said this. This was the subject line. She said, hi, I'm just looking for advice on how to make some good Christian friends. And she goes on to talk about how she doesn't know how, and she's, she's not sure what to do, and she talks about some of the struggles that she's had, some of the difficult relationships she's had, some of the times where she's felt judged instead of accepted. And so she goes on to talk about how in the world do I make good Christian friendships? And maybe that's you today. Maybe there's someone in this auditorium where maybe I read your comment. I don't know, but maybe in your mind and in your heart you're wondering that same thing. How do I have this? I also, as I was looking for research, I came across a very interesting research study. And it was by the Barna Group, and, and if you're not familiar, they're a, a Christian research group that, that basically researches things all across the United States and the world. And, and this study that I found was really interesting. It was studying the reasons why millennials, which are or young people age 18 to 29, it was studying why they stay connected to the body of Christ, and it was also looking at why they, they tend to drift away from the body of Christ. And what's interesting is here's what they found. It was really, really fascinating. He said, when comparing 20-somethings, these, millenni- these millennials, who remained active in their faith, the ones that stayed active in their faith, stayed active in the body of Christ, and then they compared those with 20-somethings who had dropped out. They didn't go to church anymore. They weren't really active in the body of Christ. The, the study uncovered that there was a major difference between the two. And what they found is that those who stayed connected with the body of Christ, those who stayed involved in the church and doing things for their faith, they found that 59% of those stayed because they had a close Christian friendship at their church. They had a close tie-in with someone at their church that kept them connected compared to only 31% of those who said, I'm just not active anymore. I'm just not really doing much with my faith. And so it was just more evidence of the fact that there's a real need today in the life of people and in in the life of the church for Christian strong friendships. And I don't know about you, but as I thought about this message and as as I was thinking about how to make sure, I, I realized this is what I want for myself. This is what I want for my kids. This is what I want for my wife. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I think of my 93-year-old grandpa. Man, I want him to have some wonderfully strong Christian friendships that can encourage him and, and, and strengthen him in his faith. And so, I don't know if, if you do, but I hope you do. But as you read your Bible, and again, I hope you're in the Word every day for, for strength, for wisdom, for clarity in life and what God wants you to do for closeness with God. Being able to just say, Lord, speak to me today through your Word. Encourage me. Help me to know what you have for me today. I hope that as you're doing that, you're going to find that there are relationships on nearly every page of the Bible. Literally literally almost every page of the Bible, you're going to find either a relationship with God or you're going to find a relationship with other people. And and we're going to to open our Bibles here in a minute. Ushers, if you would stand in your places, uh, hopefully you have some Bibles to pass out. If you came today and you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We have one that you can use. If you say, I don't even have one, this is yours to keep. If you're not aware, we've given out a lot of Bibles. Uh, if you only need it for today because maybe you left it on your, your car seat or maybe it's at home on the kitchen counter, 
Again, uh, this one you can drop on your way out if you don't need it. But turn to your Bibles, and in Matthew chapter 22, in Matthew chapter 22, and hopefully you've found your way there, we see that the religious leaders of the day have been trying to trap Jesus in his words. And they're trying to, to, to question him on a number of things. And what's interesting is he's asked, which is the greatest commandment? And we're going to be in Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through 40. And he's asked, which is the greatest commandment? And what's interesting is his answer to that stresses this most important theme of the Bible, this extremely important theme that we see within the Bible. So here it is in Matthew chapter 22, 34 through 40. He says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Again, they're trying to trap him. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then verse 39, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I I don't think it could be any clearer when you hear Jesus' words. He's telling us, not only are we supposed to have this wonderful relationship with God. Jesus taught us to have a relationship with God. But then he also stresses, uh, Jesus also taught us to have great relationships with people. If we're to love people as we love ourselves, that's telling us he wants us to have wonderful relationships in our lives. And if, if you uh, don't believe me, you can continue to look. The Bible is full of evidence. The, full is, uh, the Bible's full of evidence that stresses the importance of great friends. Because not only did Jesus teach it, but we can see it throughout Scripture. If you look in First Chronicles chapter 27, we see the importance of a friend. It's interesting, there's a man who's listed, and he's, he's named the king's friend. It's in 2733, and it says this, Ahithophel was the king's counselor. That's great, we want counselors. Now this guy later betrays him. But then it says this, Hushai the archite was the king's friend. And I'm not going to preach on that today, but I could preach a whole message on, on loyalty and the strength of a friendship just that we see from Hushai the archite who puts his life in danger for David. And then there's Jonathan and David who, again, he puts his life on the line. And if, if you don't know much about uh, the relationship that they had, they were like best friends. They literally, the Bible talks about they had such a, they had like a covenant together for this great friendship. And in 1 Samuel 20, verse 42, Jonathan says to David, he said, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. And that was a tough friendship. I don't know if you're aware, but Jonathan was next in line to be king. But David had already been anointed by Samuel to be king. And so, knowing this, they're friends. And literally, I don't know if you know the rest of the story, but King Saul, Jonathan's dad, literally for years tried to kill him. There's instances in the Bible where literally he'd be sitting there playing the harp, trying to help King Saul, and King Saul would come up and try to throw a javelin to try to stick him to the wall. I mean, literally, this was a dangerous friendship for Jonathan and David. Saul wanted to kill him. So, again, if, if you're reading your Bible, you'll find as you read Paul's letters. And I love, I'll have to say, if there's one place that I love to read in the Bible, I love to read the letters of Paul. And in them, you'll find the importance of friendship because at the beginning 
or at the end of almost all of his letters, he's greeting his friends. Greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so. Let them know that I'm thinking of them. Greet so-and-so. Man, I cannot wait to be there. I just, I hope so much that I can be there to spend some time with you. So we, we just see throughout the Bible, we see these wonderful examples of Christian friendships. And so the question is, and I think you see it on your sermon notes there today, and I, I want you to really think about this. If God didn't expect the great spiritual leaders of history to make it without key friendships, why would we expect that we can thrive spiritually without great Christian friends ourselves? Literally, why would we think that if all the great leaders of time needed a great Christian friend, someone to be there with them, to encourage them, to help them accomplish all that God would have for them, why would we expect that we could thrive without those same things? And I want you to think about that today and analyze your life as we're going through the message today. Now, a year ago, I shared this pulpit on Memorial Day weekend. And that weekend, I talked about the importance of great Christian friendships. It was the spiritual secret sauce. And if, if you hear me preach very often, what's the one topic a few people know that I always mention? Food. <laughs> and that, that weekend, I talked about the spiritual secret sauce. And I had just got done having the best fajita sauce in my life. And it literally was resonating through my mind. And, but basically, the secret sauce of spiritual growth is Christian friendships. And, and that message was about the what. What do strong Christian friendships bring to our life? What is, it, what is it that they foster? Why are they so important? And we talked about the fact that they encourage friendship and encouragement in your life. There's protection and accountability in your life. I know that in my life, there's been times where I've had someone to hold me accountable. I've had someone to, to, to be there to, to be a friend when I needed somebody. And then for strength and endurance to make sure that, I don't know about you, but, but I want to I live for God through my whole life. I don't want five years from now I crash and burn because I didn't have anybody there to encourage me and help me. I, I literally want to be like my grandpa. I want to be 93 years old one day. And then I want to, not only do I want to be 93 years old, but I want to still be honoring, worshiping God in my life. And I know that I need strong Christian people around me to encourage me and help me. So, we, we're going to conclude today our, our series on practical advice from Jesus. And it's not my goal today just to dump information on you. I don't want you to walk out of here and go, well, that was a nice information overload. I literally want to share with you some truth today that's going to impact your life so you can walk out today. It's interesting. I was telling some of the dads on my son's baseball team yesterday. He said, so I hear you're preaching tomorrow. Are you a fire and brimstone teacher? I said, I said, no. I said, I want to impact people's life in a way that they can walk out of church and they know how they can apply God's word to their life. I want them to walk out of church that day and say, I get it. I know what I can do this week to be closer to God. So I want to do that to you today. I want to, I want to help you as you leave today. You'll have some real practical wisdom on how you can make some strong Christian friends. And today we're going to look at some practical advice on how to make great Christian friends. And the first one, Go with me here in your sermon notes. You'll see is to be friendly. Now that may seem like an obvious thing, but we're going to talk about some things that I think are sometimes some roadblocks to that. In Proverbs 18.24, it says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You've got to be friendly. In order to have friends, you've got to be friendly. And I know that many times, as I, as I talk with people, many times I think that, People have a, a block. They literally, they have their connectors, 
But for whatever reason in their life, they have something that's blocking their ability to make great Christian friends. And it's different for all of us. Sometimes it could be something in your life that's pulling you down. Sometimes it could be just an overload of stress. Sometimes it's the fact that you literally have decided not to be friendly. And I'm not saying you're a mean person. I'm just saying for whatever reason, you've stopped reaching out in friendliness. And I'm not sure what has happened, but something has happened. And you literally are like, that's it. My life, I have time for like some family. I got time for work. And I got nothing. I'm, I'm not going to reach out anymore. And I don't know what that is for you, but it's interesting. As I looked at this comment on this blog, I found it interesting. Listen to what she says. She says, in real life, I'm painfully shy. And I find it hard to be the first to talk to people. And then because of terrible experiences I've had with so-called friends in the past, even when I can talk to people, I find it hard to open up to them and even harder to trust them. Again, I don't, I don't know what it is in your life. But if you've set up some walls in your life, then literally you need to ask God to help you to tear them down. Now, that seems like, okay, that's nice, Ryan, great. But I want to share with you some real practical advice today on how to do so. And, I, and I've talked to people who've had some friendships go bad. I know some people in my immediate sphere of influence who literally have had some things and some relationships go bad where they literally have said, I've got a wall now because I'm just not ready to experience the pain that I had before. And so I want to give you some practical advice on how to work through that. Number one is to to figure out what went wrong. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Maybe you really need to figure out what is it, what happened in that relationship what is it that I can do in order to, to help that from happening again? Maybe, maybe you need to see a counselor. Secondly, I want to say you need to risk trusting again. Maybe you need to risk trusting again. You know, you, you, literally we're going to say, I'm going to put myself out there because loneliness literally feels worse than risking another friendship. And literally, this loneliness that I'm experience, experiencing feels worse than how it felt with that other friendship. Third thing I want to share with you is to to use the rules of confrontation. Remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Christian talked about the rules of confrontation that that Jesus shares with us in Matthew chapter 18. He talked about if if, if someone has offended you, what to do. If if your relationship is strained, what are you going to do? And I've told some of the guys, I don't know how many of you have ever played, uh, or, or as a parent, maybe you played Little League Baseball, but you didn't know that there was any politics going on behind the scenes. Debt parents, do I get an amen? And then you, then you start coaching, or you start being a parent on the sideline, and next thing you know, you hear all this going on. And, I, and I've made it real clear with the coaches on my team. I said, look, if I ever offend you, please come and talk to me. Because if you offend me, I want, I want you to know that I'm going to come and talk to you. And I had a time where I felt like me and the head coach were butting heads a little bit, and I literally, I just called him and I said, are we Okay. I said, because the last thing I want, our our kids are friends, and I consider you a friend, and I want to make sure there is literally nothing between you and I, because I value your friendship. And I I value you as a coach, and I think we've got a good thing going here. And so I I began with the first step, is just me talking to him. And then it talks about if that doesn't work, you can get someone after you've talked to him about it. So there's some steps in Matthew 18, and maybe you need to do those. And I had, we've heard stories of people that have already begun that process, Some of it's been painful, but some of it has been really rewarding. They're like, we've literally knocked some walls down that have been there for a while. 
And lastly, I want to say this. I want you to almost say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to love people. Literally, God, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with my life, and I'm going to step out, and I'm going to try to love people. And I'm going to trust you to begin to knock these walls down. Now, maybe you're trying to work through those things, and maybe you, you know, you've heard us talk about things at the church that you can get involved in, and you're not so sure about it. Maybe you don't want to commit to it. Maybe you've heard about serving. You've heard about getting involved in a small group. Well, we, we're putting together this, this summer, and maybe this will interest you. It's something that it's, I want to say it's non-committal, but it's called a test drive. And this summer, we're going to have opportunities for you to test drive a small group. You're going to come to a, to, a, to a little group thing, and there's going to be several people there. And you're going to get an opportunity to try out for a few weeks a small group and determine, wait a minute, I, I know this is one of the ways you can make good Christian friends, but I, I've got some walls up. I'm not so sure, but, but I'm willing to try it for a few weeks. So I want to encourage you to be thinking about that. That'll be in late July. We'll be sure to let you know more about it. In fact, today, if you're interested, you can check a box and say, I'm interested in small groups, all right? Test drive on there. So we want you to know uh, that those opportunities are available. Maybe you're here today and you're a socialite. You literally, you don't know a stranger. You don't even know what I'm talking about. Be friendly. Of course, I'm friendly to everybody. But maybe you haven't. And let me tell you, let me tell you why. How many of us, perhaps at times, have not been friendly to someone that we perceive is standoffish or not very friendly? We're like, yeah, I don't even approach them because they look like they're going to bite my head off. Let me warn you, they're some of the nicest people you ever meet. Literally, you, you need to break down that wall and talk to them. Because look, they're sitting there saying, I want to talk to somebody, and they may not have the ability to come up and say, hey, how you doing? But they're eager, just like you are, to have a conversation to have great Christian friends. So I want to encourage you, if you're a socialite, man, talk to somebody. They may look grumpier than a junkyard dog. And that leads me to my next point. If you're here today, and you're meaner than a junkyard dog, and you're just a mean, grumpy person, then all I'm asking is, I'm asking that the Lord will soften your heart. That's it, because I don't know why it is. You may have good reason to be grumpy. You may be good reason to be that way. But I'm asking that you might, you might say, Lord, soften my heart. So let me ask you today, how might a change in your countenance towards friendliness, how might that literally begin to open up some doors to Christian friendships? Literally, if you would just change your countenance a little bit, how would it open up some opportunities? And who is it? Who is it today that perhaps you've been thinking about, but who could you be friendly to that you can open up to and slowly begin to develop a Christian relationship with? I believe it's possible. In fact, Paul tells us how to get it started. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to turn to your neighbor. And, in 1 Corinthians chapter... T- a lot of people have just got nervous, okay? 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Here's how Paul tells us to do it. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he does. I, I read that in my devotions and I went... I love that. I'm going to use, I'm going to freak some people out on Sunday. All right, everybody, now turn to your neighbor and greet each other with a holy kiss. All right, are you ready? Let's make friends. I'm just kidding. But the second thing, I want to, I want to take you to the second thing today. The second thing I want to share with you today about how, how to make great friends is to do life in pairs. There, there's many people who did great things for God, and we know who they are. But we always know who went with them. And I want to give you a little quiz here. I want to, I want to ask you, uh, 
there's some names that are going to come up on the screen. Moses and Moses and Aaron. Survey says Aaron. Okay. And Joshua and I heard Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. Right? Paul and Barnabas. Nicely done. Nicely done. Paul and Barnabas. Jonah and the Oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe maybe that wasn't the greatest of partnerships, but he certainly did a helpless help accomplish a purpose. But as we think about it, literally, there are these great people of the Bible that we know. But we always can say, hey, I know who was there with them. I know who was there helping them accomplish, doing life in pairs and accomplishing what God had for them. And here's a fact for you this morning. From Adam and Eve to the animals on the ark, literally, God likes to set things up in pairs. And, and we see these great pairs who accomplish so much for God. But as we look at the life of Jesus, we see that he also, Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs. If you look in your Bible at Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out two by two. He sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So Jesus, being wise, being God, Jesus knew that they needed accountability. He knew that they needed friendship. He knew that they needed encouragement. And he knew that they were going to need endurance for the long haul. Because it was going to be difficult. And I think not only was the Holy Spirit there to reignite them, but I believe because he had established some friendships and some some strength within his inner twelve, eleven after Judas uh, betrayed him, I think that not only was there the Holy Spirit who came and encouraged them and got them on fire, but I think it was like, hey, we need to go grab John. Hey, we need to go grab Peter. And I think they began to be there for each other so that they could rally and then go on and do something great for God. Now, here's what I believe. Life and ministry, literally life and ministry was intended to be done with others. None of us were intended to do things solely on an island, never to have anybody there for us. Life and ministry were intended to be done with others, whether it be serving together. I can tell you that most of the guys that I know, their greatest friends, literally their greatest friends are guys that they serve together with or they're in a small together with. These are literally, it's like the people they hang out with. These are their greatest friends. I can tell you some of the best friends in my life are people that I've stacked chairs with. I've set tables up with. I've led a a youth small group with. I've gone on a mission trip together with. These are the people that I consider my greatest friends. And I want to share with you another real quick practical way this morning. I want you to walk out of here and go, I got it. I think I can do that. Now, you probably walked in, or maybe you've been here early before, and you've seen people doing a number of things. You may not know, but there were people here at 5.30, 5.45 beginning to do things. And I'm not saying you've got to be here that early, but you would see people after church tearing things down. You would see people during church greeting people. You would see someone serving coffee. You would see people doing a variety of things. And I have a very practical idea. This is revolutionary. You ready? Hey, I see what you've been doing every week. Can I help you? Hold on to your seats. Can I help you? Do you mind if I do this with you? Because you know what's going to happen? After a few weeks, guess what you've established? You've established a friendship. 
And you may think, well, I don't want to get overcommitted. That's fine. We, we're not saying you've got to do something every week. But one of the things that I thought about, I thought, what's a real practical way? And I, I could tell you that a number of the people who are involved and have great friends at the church, that's how they started. They saw people picking up chairs after church, and they said, can I help you? And now they're like pals, and they go to lunch together, and they're part of a, a Tuesday night men's Bible study. I mean, those things happen by someone just saying, hey, do you mind if I help you? Or, hey, I, I heard you guys talking, and I hear you guys, you guys do this on a regular basis, or you, you guys meet for this. Can I join you? Now, I understand it causes us to get out of our comfort zone, but I think when we know that we've got Christ in our life, we've got the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, I think we, we should realize that we have the ability to do that. What about playing together? I guarantee you if we were to take some, some surveys, we would find out there's a number of things that people enjoy doing like-minded. I bet we've got some people in here who like to fish. I bet we've got some people in here who like to shop. I bet we've got some people in here who, who, who like to work on crafty things. I bet we've got some people in here who like to work out. I don't know about you, but I would imagine maybe everybody likes to have a barbecue. And so as I think about it, it's one of those things that, hey, can I join you? I heard you got a group of guys that work out. I mean, we've had a time where we had like 12 guys working out in Robbie's basement. Just because people heard and they said, yeah, that sounds good. Or, hey, are you still doing this? Can I come with you? You know, as as I look at it, I want to encourage you that as you do those things, I believe you're going to establish. I have some connections in my life that I know will be connections for life. I think of my good friend Brandon Reeb. Brandon Reeb is now a pastor in, in Florida. And him and I got started together as volunteers, just stacking chairs, unloading the truck. Then we started serving a, a youth small group leaders. And now, I mean, we, we're, we're literally lifelong friends. We don't get to talk with each other as much, but I now have a connector in my life that is solid. Because here's how it started. We served together. Then guess what? He likes to play softball like I do. And we started playing softball together. Then guess what? He likes to eat like I do. So we started going out for Taco Tuesday night or Taco Monday night, Dollar Tacos at Salty Iguana. I mean, we literally, I can think of all the great times that we've had. We got together at one point and, you know, it was just our wives, the four of us. And then he now has three kids and we have four. And it's like, we, remember it used to be the four of us? Now we, like, take up half the restaurant. So these are, these are connections in your life that get started, and I want to encourage you to do life in pairs. It's so important. And the third point I want to share with you this morning is that you may need to carve out time. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you say, Ryan, look, see that last Lego you held up? That's my life. It's full. I don't have any room. I don't have any room for anything. But I want to encourage you, if you were to be honest with yourself and you began to kind of analyze the friend connections that you had, I, want to, I wonder if you might find that maybe you have some friends who are maybe not so helpful. In other words, as you're trying to be a follower of Christ, they're not necessarily helpful in your Christian walk. And not only is your schedule so busy with, with activities that you literally... It's keeping you from developing healthy Christian relationships because you, you can't be involved in anything whatsoever that might help you because you have so many ha- activities. But it's possible that some of your connectors are full uh, by some people that are literally pulling you away from Jesus. Does that make sense? Literally, not only are you so busy that you can't do the things that would help you make Christian friends, and so you'd say, my connector's full, but then some of your connections are full with people who are literally pulling you away from Jesus. 
let me read a scripture to you. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And so it's possible that you may need to literally free up some healthy relational time uh, from people who are pulling you away from Jesus. I know this is where I was at one point. I can remember in my first couple of years as a follower of Jesus, I can remember I had tons of friends. But I can tell you that most of them were leading me away from my commitment to follow Jesus. Most of them were causing me to stumble in a way that I would later say, what am I doing? That isn't the life I want. That's not the life that God has for me. Let me share this this comment from this gal on this blog. I thought this was so interesting. Here's what she says. I have non-Christian friends, some of whom are great people, but they don't understand my life choices, why I don't have sex outside of marriage, why I go to church, why I tithe my money, etc., etc. She says, my best friend is a wonderful, great person, but it can be hard when she doesn't understand the biggest part of my life, my faith and the choices it leads to. Man, that was so well said. She literally said, I have these wonderful friends, but they don't understand or they, they attempt to pull me away. And yes, I, I want to be clear, and, and, and I hope you'll grab this second part of my point here. Jesus hung out with those who were far from God. Absolutely. But we never see where they pulled him away from a relationship with God. He always caused them to be closer to God. He always helped them to become passionate Christians. And, you know, we, we want to we reach those. Absolutely, we want to reach those who don't live for Jesus, right? It's our mission statement. We, want to, we exist to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. But let me share this. Our lives can't be led by them. Did you hear that? We want to reach those who don't live for Jesus, but our lives can't be led by him. So you, you need to have people in your life who you're friends with who need Jesus. I want to be clear. You need to have friends in your life who need Jesus. Absolutely. But you need to determine. As you're thinking about carving out time, you need to determine if you need to make some room in your life for healthy Christian relationships. And sometimes that means hanging out less with people who may not be healthy for you. I hope I've said that in a way you clearly understand and couldn't misinterpret me in any way. I want to have friends absolutely who are far from God, absolutely who may not even believe in God. I want to reach them. I want to love on them. I want to, I want to help them. But I, but I have to make sure that I'm not blocking, literally blocking relationships that I could have that are healthy because I'm spending more time or having things going on in my life that are not honoring to God. So let me ask you, do you, do you need to? Do you need to carve out some relational Lego connectors? Um, literally, and you're saying to yourself, I've made some changes, I've got some different priorities in my life, and I now, I now have the ability to make some great Christian friendships. Now, I want to I close in a moment here that song that you heard earlier, the one that you've been now playing in your head the entire time, the one that you've been singing, everything is awesome. As soon as I, you know, I told my kids I was going to be talking about that this weekend. And, and I bet we had that conversation. We, had, we heard that song throughout the day, all day long. Everything is awesome. And if I just wanted to get it sparked and drive everybody nuts again, I would just kind of say that. What's interesting is that song, Everything is Awesome, you and I know, it's just a song. Because everything is not always awesome. Right? Life is hard. Life is tough. And sometimes you need great Christian friends to help you through. 
You really do. Everything is not always awesome. Life is tough. Life sometimes seems unfair, and we tell our kids, life is not fair, but God is good. And especially when you've got great Christian friends to come alongside you. Now, one of the, the values at, at JCI is friendliness. We actually, our volunteers today, have been talking about that and, 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 and sharing that part of our vision and our value with our people. That we want to be known as a church where people see Jesus in us. They literally know that that is a friendly church. And one of our strategies for E is to engage in relationships. Again, we want it to be where people come to the church and they don't just say, hey, good service, see ya. Good service, see ya. We want people to engage in relationships. It's one of the four major components of our strategy. And that's why we put so much time and effort. Pastor Christian and I and our team and our team of small group training leaders, we really spend a lot of time thinking about ways that we can get people involved and how we can have people uh, get connected at our church. It's really, it's the heartbeat of our church. But I want to share with you, it also takes effort on your part. Do you understand? It, It takes effort on your part. And as we pray here in a moment... People are looking for great Christian friendships. And as we close in a minute and pray, I want you to pray about being friendly. And I want you to pray about doing life in pairs and how you can begin to make that happen. And I want to encourage you to figure out how to carve out time or at least do an analysis of whether you need to. Whether there's some areas that you could perhaps say, you know what, this or these folks right now are pulling me in the wrong direction and I need to free up some time for you, God, and for some great Christian friendships. And I want to give a little P.S., just a little P.S. Perhaps today, all of you who might be saying, I don't need Christian friends, you literally, you're just kind of sitting there saying, well, that's nice, this message didn't apply to me. I want to share a couple of verses because there's some wisdom in the Bible about it. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Did you get that? Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, who who doesn't think he needs anybody, take heed lest he fall. And then Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, But pity anyone who falls and has no one to pick him up. We all need great Christian friends. Let's pray. Father.